Thank you. Wow. Let's give Jesus the glory. Hallelujah, Lord. We honor you today. We make you welcome in the service. Come with power today. And touch our lives. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for such a great welcome. It's great to be with you. Please give someone a high five before they seat, sit down. We've had a wonderful time this last week, but it's great for me to see my son here, David. David has been a missionary up in Pakistan and for a year with his family, and uh, now he's back and he's working with us and working to promote the TV station up in, a Christian TV station in Pakistan. We've also got with us uh, Owen Pomari from our church. He's an evangelist. He's been up in Pakistan and Indonesia and all over the place, and I have my daughter and son-in-law, number one son-in-law, <laughs> and uh, Great to have them with us. Of course, my wife's been ministering with us. We've been in, uh, in uh, Pastor Abraham's church having an amazing time. He is an amazing pastor, and the church is amazing. But, you know, as I look there, I see there's no other place in the world I know where so many celebrities have come to Christ. And uh, there's such penetration of a culture. And uh, I know that the decision to do this started here with Pastor Kong and Pastor Sun. And you've paid the price. And others have got the benefit. So let's give Pastor Kong tremendous clap, just honor that he, by a decision of vision, has made this possible. I, I so enjoyed the song. It was great. And your enthusiasm. I just loved your enthusiasm. You know, I was, when you were doing that about singing here in City Harvest, I was thinking, I'm getting to preach here. <laughs> it's great. Yes, it's great to be here with you. And I'm looking forward to the week in the Bible school. We're going to have a tremendous time. It's going to be exciting. It just gets better. In uh, Taiwan, we've just had hundreds of people delivered. All kinds of amazing things happen. And uh, so at the end of this meeting, of course, there'll be a break for a little while and then an opportunity for those who wish to have ministry to stay on. And uh, if you stay on, I believe that the power of God will come in a very powerful way to touch you. And uh, I have learned this, that uh, no matter what kind of altar call we have, if you come with expectation for God to help you and touch you, he knows exactly what you need. It won't matter who lays hands on you, because the power of God will flow in such a way that all it needs is you to extend your faith, and God will help you. And uh, I encourage you to open your heart, whatever God speaks to you that he wants you to be free of tonight, you believe that God can do it for you. And uh, when you come, I know that uh, God will help you. I want to open the Bible in, uh, in John chapter 16. I want to speak on inner healing. I want to share a few insights around this area. In John chapter 16 and verse 33, Jesus speaks these words. These things have I spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Now look at this statement here. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So here's the first thing we have to recognize. Everyone has painful experiences. Everyone in humanity, everyone shares one experience in common at least, and that is we have painful experience, setbacks. We have issues happen in life which hurt us very deeply. And Jesus said, in the world, this is what you will face. He was preparing his disciples to go out and to evangelize the world, and he, he let them know ahead of time that in the world, in the life that you live, it is a war zone, there is a spirit world and it's real. People do have broken lives and they do operate out of wrong beliefs and sin. He said, you will have pressures, you will have distresses, you will have difficulties. But he said, have courage because I have overcome. I have shown you what it is and what it takes to overcome. When we have a look at Jesus' life, we see he was misunderstood by his family. He was misunderstood by his friends. He was rejected. He was betrayed. He suffered a horrendous debt. He showed us how to live a life of victory. Most people, I find, live a life like a victim, perpetual defeat. You and I don't need to do that. We can change. If a person is uh, injured in their physical body, if you have an accident, physical accident, usually the signs are very evident. There's bleeding. Your nose is bleeding. Your head is bleeding. There's a cut there's a broken bone, the injuries are very obvious. And when a person's injured physically, their first 
uh, response is to try to protect the wound and to stop themselves being hurt again. It's natural to do that. We try to protect ourselves from further pain. And not only that, uh, if we don't address the injury, there's every chance it will become infected. And once a wound becomes infected, the problems are magnified. So this is true of a physical injury. But people also can be injured in their soul. When a person's injured physically, you can see it. When a person's injured in their soul, it's not so visible, but it is recognizable. If you listen to what a person says and watch how they live their life for a little while, you will know what is in their soul because out of their heart they will speak. And you will see that there's something not right. When people are hurt emotionally or were injured, and there are many causes for that. There may be a parent dies. That leaves a tremendous, uh, a tremendous blow of of feeling alone and abandoned in life. Uh, parents divorce and break up. Usually it doesn't just happen, it happens through tremendous conflict and turmoil. And children go through immense pain when that happens. In some families, there are very abusive fathers and their words are abusive, their, their actions are abusive, or it could be just their anger is very abusive, or perhaps they're physically violent with their children. This leaves marks on a child growing up. Maybe the physical marks go, but the marks and impressions in the soul are very, very alive and very, very real. Or it could be a woman has been abused in some kind of way, sexually abused or physically abused. The, 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 the wounds are immense. And, uh, or it may be that through a broken relationship or a loss or a sudden tragedy that you experience some grief in your life. Or perhaps you've trusted someone and been betrayed. Uh, the song, I felt, uh, reflected uh, very much the feeling in the heart of someone uh, who is in a broken relationship and the relationship is changing from being lovers to being friends. And I can feel the sadness in, those, in the song and in the words. And this is true of so many people. None of us escape through life without difficulties and without problems. But here's the thing, we choose how we will respond. Now, just when, when a person's physically injured, the first temptation or the first tendency is to protect the injury, to cover it over, to conceal it, and we don't want anyone to touch it. When we're injured inside, in our soul, with a deep, painful experience, the first tendency we have to do is to try and control the pain. So how do we control the pain? Usually we build a wall in our heart. We try to protect ourselves from being hurt again, so we harden our heart. We may harden our heart by building inner vows and making statements that I'll never trust any man again, or I'll never trust any person in authority again, or never trust a woman again, or I'll never let anyone near me. And we make these statements into our heart, and we begin to build walls in the heart. Sometimes people, uh, when they've been hurt like that, make a death wish. They just wish, I'm in so much pain, I wish I could die. And all of these things build walls around the heart to try and protect ourselves. Sometimes we attempt to control our relationships, conversations, and how we connect with people so we can't be hurt again. I've observed this. I've observed that even if you attempt to do that, it finds its way out. It'll always find its way out. And one of the most difficult things that you have to face is a physical wound, if it's left untended, develops infection of germs. But wounds in the soul, if they're unfixed or unattended to, demonic spirits come into them. Demonic spirits enter into people's life whenever they have an opportunity. And so if we don't address the issues of our soul, there are several overflow impacts. The first one is demonic spirits can enter. The Bible says in Ephesians 4:27, don't give a legal ground or a legal right for an evil spirit to enter your life. So I have seen over many years, and I've needed ministry myself, that if we don't resolve the issues of our heart, if we don't deal with what has happened to us properly and in a godly way, and instead we try and defend ourselves and cover and protect ourselves, inevitably becomes affected with demons. And the demonic spirits seek to do worse. They seek to, uh, to, to continue to defile and make the problems repeat and continue over and over in our life. But Jesus said this, notice what he said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. I have overcome. So when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the one who overcame every circumstance, enters into your life, 
And his spirit gives you the ability to arise and to break out of the impact of those things that have happened. And we want to show you some of the steps to do that. So we see, number one, that everyone has painful experiences. Number two, demonic spirits can use them to enter our life and continue to defile us. The walls you build around your heart don't just protect you, they isolate you. And so often later in life, we find that we want to build relationships and marriage and so on, and we can't build deep intimacy because we have issues of our heart we need to deal with. Before I became a Christian, my wife and I were dating for quite some long time. We were dating for six to seven years, a very long time. And uh, it was a very difficult time. Uh, so as I was listening and watching the song, I could feel the emotions very much of the song. I, I know those emotions. I felt them before. But uh, both our families came from very re different religious perspectives. And both were quite opposed to our relationship. So we were at university studying science and maths and so on, and uh, we came to really deeply love one another. But in the midst of that, uh, there was pressure from family backgrounds who, uh, for religious reasons, were opposed to our relationship going forward. And it made a tremendous dilemma in our soul. It made a dilemma of wanting to pursue one another and to because we loved each other and wanted to marry. And it also made this dilemma of wanting to please parents and it was impossible to please parents and to pursue what we had in our heart. This is a very difficult dilemma, and I'm sure many of you understand what I'm talking about. Because I wasn't a Christian in those days, I didn't know how to handle these things. I have learned since that when you have your heart broken, when you're in love with someone and the relationship is broken off because of pressure from family, your heart really does get broken. It really does get hurt. And if you don't deal with it properly, very deep things develop in your heart that affect your life for a long time. Jesus came to help us. I want to show you a verse in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, it says in verse 18, Jesus is announcing his ministry. And as he announces his ministry, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. And he begins to list various aspects of his ministry. Jesus has not changed. He still does these things. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, and to set at liberty those who are in prison or in captivity. I'll just stop there. One of the first priorities that God has is this, is to reconnect us to him who is the source. So Jesus said, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. I've come to help you again build a relationship with God. At that time in my life, I was separate from God. I had no access to God. I would go to church, but I was religious. I had no personal relationship. What I needed was to discover Jesus Christ. I was so locked in religion, I was blind to actually the reality of a relationship with Jesus. I needed Jesus very badly. But I was so locked in religion, it took this crisis to open my heart. Sometimes pain does that. In your desperation, you come to God. In your desperation, you have nowhere else to go. And in the midst of all of the pain, I can remember this, to this very night, standing on a street in Wellington and reaching out with tears and crying out, God, help me. I don't know how to break through this. I Help me. I asked him to help me. And God answers prayers like that. It says that Jesus' first priority is to connect us to God, to deal with the issue of sin in our life, to bring us into relationship with him. Then after that, he wants to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to address the issues in your soul that hinder you having intimate relationships. And then associated with that, he wants you to be delivered from the spirits that come in because of sin and because of the traumas and pains of life. So Jesus wants to help us. But you choose whether you let him help you. We can either choose to deal with life our own way, or we can choose to deal with it God's way. In Isaiah 30, he says, in returning or in repentance and trust, you will be saved. So God tells us in his word over and over, if we will repent and come to him, we will be saved. But he says in, verse, in Isaiah 30, he says, but you would have none of it. 
And so it's a real problem when we go our own way. I just built walls in my heart, walls of bitterness and hurt and grief and pain. Uh, and then we came through a very difficult situation where Joy got pregnant. And uh, it was a very traumatic experience for us. We lived in a different city to our families. And rather than follow God's way, we covered over our sin and we adopted out our child. It was a traumatic experience in our life. Very painful. In order to cope with the pain, we had to build even deeper walls in our heart. This is the kind of thing that happens. But the day God made a way somehow for us to become married, and in the very day that I got married, I received Jesus Christ into my life, and I made a covenant with the Lord. The girl that we had uh, brought into this world, beautiful girl, we adopted out, and no one knew it was our secret. It was our secret for years. There'll be some of you here who are sitting on secrets too. And those secrets create darkness in your life. Those secrets create places where torment comes. Those secrets create places where demonic spirits can come. The secrets in our heart, the dark places in our heart, God wants to let his light shine in there, but only you can make that possible. You have to choose to let him in. I would hope today you'd choose to let him in. The day that I received Jesus Christ was also the day when I deeply repented and came to him and trusted in him. When we adopted our girl out, there was a law that made all adoptions closed. No one could possibly ever be reconnected with their child that they'd adopted out. But I felt God give me an assurance in my heart that because of who he is, he was able to deal with that and return our daughter to us. And so the day that I repented and, and asked God to forgive me for abandoning my daughter and for failing so deeply in my life, I made a covenant that whatever time my daughter came back and I knew God would bring her back, then I would be very open about it and would celebrate her coming back. And the daughter that came back to us, God made a miracle way when we put our hearts right. It took some time, some years in fact. We got called into ministry we started a Christian school, we grew a family, we have six, seven children all together now, and 19 grandchildren, so God has blessed us. <laughs> God has blessed us. God has really blessed us. But in that time of growing our family, there was still this thing in our heart that wasn't right. Our marriage was deeply affected by what we'd gone through, and we needed to deal with some of the issues, so we had a marriage renewal. And in our marriage renewal, we share with some other couples our background experience. We came before God, and God spoke to me about how I'd locked my heart up, just like some of you have. Uh, I locked my heart up with bitterness. I locked my heart up with inner vows. I'd never be hurt again by anyone. I locked my heart up uh, in many different kinds of ways. And it affected our marriage. And although we were happy and and enjoying family life and we're in ministry, there was something missing in our hearts that God, only God could heal. The Bible is full of people who refuse to deal with their pain. And when they refuse to deal with your pain, you have an overflow effect out of your life. And God was merciful and helped us. The very year that we made a decision to open our heart for him to heal us, he began to work not only in our lives, he worked in our family and church, but the law was changed. And it became possible for us to meet our daughter again. We wrote a letter and she, her parents had written a letter at about the same time. The letters just went like that and arrived at the same time. Normally we wouldn't be able to meet her, but God made a way. And uh, so within uh, a matter of about four to six months, we had a wonderful encounter and our daughter came back into our life. Our daughter's here tonight. His name's Josephine. She's beautiful daughter. She's with her husband. This is their first time on a missions trip with us. And we met her many years ago. She was only 18 then. And uh, I was, I had my, she came, in fact, it's amazing. The Lord brought her back into our lives on my birthday, which is quite extraordinary, really. She didn't know that. But over the years, uh, Josephine has kept coming to our family functions, and God has done a work in all of our lives to bring change. And we had the great joy of being able to meet her husband-to-be and, and uh, to marry them, be involved in their wedding service. What a great joy to be able to take a service. I'd never thought that possible. Isn't God amazing? Isn't God amazing? And then, to make it even better, last year in our home, we led them both to Christ and baptized them. 
So who could imagine God could do such things? Who can imagine God could do such things? And here they are with us on a first missions trip. So I have learned that God is incredibly faithful. But for this to work out in your life, and God's got his own way of working things out, you have to do things God's way. I want to show you something in Psalm 84. The ministry of Jesus is a ministry to heal people, to set us free. I know that Jesus wants to help you, and there'll be many people here that he wants to set you free of something. And we want to give you some of the keys, how that could take place. So if we don't deal with the issues in our life, usually what happens is we have walls in our relationship. We have reactions to people and circumstances because pain is still there. Often sickness comes as a result of unresolved relationships. So we have to make some decisions what we're going to do. Uh, uh, someone told me that the Chinese word for endure is a symbol with a knife over the heart. I don't think that's God's plan, a knife over the heart. A knife over the heart means you kill whatever feeling you have. But unfortunately, you don't kill them. You just bury them and they stay alive and they have their ongoing effect. So God wants to heal us. So we don't just try and overcome stuff. We actually really get the victory. So Jesus' ministry is to heal people. And I want to show you just a, few, a scripture here which will help you. When you look at Jesus' ministry, you find the heart of God is always to heal people. God is full of love. He loves people. He's a father. He loves relationships. He loves family. He wants to help people. And so when Jesus came, he did some extraordinary things. Like, for example, there's a leper came to Jesus one day, and the leper was begging, please heal me of this terrible disease. And Jesus did a most unusual thing. So the leper comes, and the leper's down in front of him. Jesus, you can heal me. And, and he's crying, and there's a desperateness in his life because of this terrible disease. And Jesus did something incredibly unusual. The Bible says in Luke 1, and sorry, Mark 1 and verse 41, Jesus was moved with compassion. That's how he interacts with us. He's moved with compassion. And the Bible says he stretched out his hand and he touched the leper. He probably touched him on his face. And then he physically healed him. Why did Jesus touch the leper on his face? Why would he touch someone so diseased, so defiled? It's very simple. Because the problem the leper had was not just physical. He also, as a result of having leprosy, had become rejected in his culture, rejected by his parents, rejected by his family, rejected by his wife and children, rejected by everyone. He had not felt the touch of a human being in a long time. And Jesus saw the pain in his heart and reached out and touched him. The word in the Bible means to set someone on fire. Love can set people on fire. It's quite extraordinary. Before I share this verse, I'll share with you just a story. I was in Indonesia. I love going to Indonesia. And in Indonesia, I was in a, in a church, and there were a lot of young people there, and we had this amazing meeting, and God was moving. And, but there was a young man who gave a testimony. And uh, his testimony was his father never wanted him. His father hated him. His father cursed him from the day he was born. His father spoke curses over him regularly, beat him violently, wouldn't let him continue education, actually drove him out of the home in order to support the family. And so the young man was miserable and longing to be loved, longing to feel welcomed. And he, he finally, in the end, found uh, someone who would care for him. It was an older man, and he was a homosexual. And this man welcomed him in arms of lust. And, of course, he was involved in a homosexual relationship. Someone witnessed to him, and the young man came to Christ, broke up the relationship, and uh, came to start to put his life right with God. And he spoke and shared his testimony. And as he shared his testimony, I felt in my heart compassion. And I've learned when I feel it, God wants to do something. And I just felt this overwhelming compassion for him. I thought I wanted to go up and hug him. I thought, that's a bit awkward. You know, he's up there speaking. Well, he's got one hug, you know. Anyway, I just left it for the moment. And then God began to move in the meeting. And, and in the middle of God moving, I suddenly remembered this young man. And I said, can someone find him for me, please? And so the young man came up and he stood in front of me. And I said, thank you very much for sharing your testimony. I was very touched by what you shared. And, and I was so touched, I felt... The love of God, I felt the love of God as a father for you. And I felt God say to me that I should just give you a hug like a father would hug a son. And I said, would you mind if I did that? I asked his permission. And he said, okay. 
And so I held this young man and put my arms around him and just held him and held him and held him. And it was like holding a board. You know, just, you know, no movement whatsoever. Just, you know, touching something solid and frozen. And so I just held him and I said, God, let your love flow through me. Touch this young man's heart. He needs to know you love him. And I held him and held him and held him and held him. Wouldn't let him go. I thought, God, do something. And, uh, and I had thoughts going through my mind. <laughs> so I'm holding on to them. And then suddenly I felt him just begin to just break. And then he began to sob. And he must have sobbed for quite a long time in my arms. As for the first time in his life, he felt love of God for him as a person. And, you know, he'd become a Christian. He'd, his sins were forgiven. But in his heart, he was broken still. He needed healing. And I just held on to him and he wept and wept and wept and wept and wept. And then I realized God wanted to deliver him. So I just changed. I let him go, put my hand on his head. And immediately all these demons came up and came out of him. He had a massive deliverance and he was set free. And when it was all over, he just looked like a different person. God doesn't want to just save us. He wants to heal us and deliver us. This man needed someone physical tangible to bring the love of God to him in a tangible way. You and I can bring the love of God to people, but we've got to experience it for ourselves. Let's have a look in Psalm 84, and I'll give you a couple of keys out of here. Blessed is the, in verse 5, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are your ways, whose heart is set on pilgrimage or on journey or making progress in God's ways. They pass through the valley of Barca. They make it a spring or a well. The rain also covered the pools. They go from strength to strength, everyone in Zion appearing before God. Now, this is written by a man who knew pain. This is by someone who knew difficulties. And this is what he said. Blessed is the man whose strength, that word is the power to overcome and get the victory, is found in God. Blessed is that man. Notice, and his heart is set on pilgrimage. Healing is a process. Healing is a journey. Tonight we'll have a power encounter. And I have discovered that the journey of healing involves power and process. Power, God's power touching our life in dramatic, often dramatic ways or sometimes quiet ways. But also it's a process, a journey you take with the Lord to take responsibility for your life and move forward. If you blame others, you remain a victim. If you are saying that the reason I'm like I am is because of my father or my grandfather or because someone did this or someone did that, you are not being responsible. You're acting like a victim. You're giving someone else the power. But the moment you say, my life with all that's in it is mine and I take responsibility for it, you can then start on the journey or the pilgrimage to get free. You have to own your life. You have to own your reactions. Your anger is your anger. Your bitterness is your bitterness. Your walls are your walls. Your demon are your demons. If you don't actually take ownership, my soul is damaged, and I will journey with God into healing, it won't take place. Now, many powerful things happen through the laying on of hands and through deliverance, but the process of healing is a journey. You've actually got to embrace it. And so blessed is the man who sets his whose strength or ability to overcome is in God. In other words, stop controlling the pain, stop covering, hiding, denying, stop burying the stuff, and come and bring it to the Lord. Second thing is, be set or committed to a journey of change. You've got to set your path to a journey of change. You can change. You can change. Change is a journey and a process. So, he says, he's hard to set on change. They pass through the valley of Baca. That word Baca means weeping or sorrows. So what he's saying is that all of us face experiences where there's weeping or sorrows. It's just part of life. You have setbacks. You have difficulties. There's injustices. There are things happen. City Harvest has gone through a great season of difficulty in this last couple of years. But it's not the place you stay. The Bible says, bless the man who strength the Lord who passes through the valley. You don't stay in the valley. God doesn't want you to stay in the valley. He wants you to come out of the valley and turn the valley experience into a well, a place of life that others get blessed. 
then you can bring life to other people. You have been there in the valley, in the place of weeping, in the place of sorrows, but you've come out, you're whole, you're alive. Now you've got some hope to offer other people. If you're still stuck back in the valley, you're still in your bitterness and sorrows and anger and unforgiveness, you haven't got anything to give to anyone except your bitterness. And your anger, you make them angry. You share your story and they get angry as well. It doesn't help. That's why offenses spread so quickly. You talk to someone who's offended, they share their offense and their anger. Without a little while, you're offended and you're angry. You don't even know why. Why are you angry? I don't know. I was just talking to him. It, it defiles, gets into a church. You be careful who you listen to and what they're saying. People got offenses and anger in their heart and you start to listen to them soon, you'll be angry and offended too. You go, I will just say, don't fellowship or stick with an angry man and make him your friend. Because you'll become angry too. So who's, who, notice this, it says, God's plan is never for us to stay in a valley, but the valleys become a place of experiencing God, becoming strengthened in God and going forward and coming out. That's God's plan. So how can that happen? Number one, you have to face the truth. You have to face your issues and take responsibility. If we don't own our life, own our responsibility for our stuff, we can never be free. So number two, ask the question, how did this affect me? Own your reactions. Own your reactions. First, what happened? Second, how did it affect me? How did it affect me? I think it's important that if there's grief and pain that you acknowledge it. Sometimes we overcome things without trying without facing how much pain there is in it. People try many times to forgive someone and they forgive from the head, but their heart is saying, no way, you just don't know how angry I am. What you did was really bad. And they come to church, you need to forgive. Okay, I forgive. They don't even sound like they're forgiving, you know. You still feel the anger in there. All right, I forgive. But I'm more angry now because I don't want to forgive. Now I have to forgive. So the anger gets deeper. No, the Bible tells us to forgive from the heart. So number one, face what's happened. Number two, face how you feel. What, how has it affected you? Three, how did you react? What did you do as a result of being hurt? Maybe it's by a parent, family member. Have you formed a bitter judgment against them? Bitter judgments reproduce in their life. Uh, have you uh, held resentment and anger? Have you made inner vows? Well, I'll never be like my father. I'll never be like him. You'll turn out just like him. Because you've judged him and you've, you've got this demonic thing operating in your life. You'll reap what you sow. The judgment you sowed against your father, you'll reap. Well, I'll never be like my mother. Oh, you will be just like her. I'll never marry anyone like my mother. Oh my, how did I get here? She's just like mum. <laughs> I'll never marry anyone like my father. He's just like my father. How does that happen? Very simple. This is sowing and reaping. Because if we harbor unforgiveness and bitterness and judgments in our heart, we reap what we've sown, and the problem we think we run from turns back in our life, and we have to deal with it. So, number one, face the situation. What has happened to me? Two, how do I feel? How's it impacted me and my emotions? Grieve over it. Number three, how did I react? What did I do to defend myself? Number four, start to repent. Oh, God, forgive me. God, forgive me for my anger. Forgive me for my bitterness. God, forgive me for my resentment. Forgive me for my judgments. Forgive me, Lord, for the vows I've made not to be like. Forgive me for trying to control the pain instead of turning to you to help me. We need to bring sin to the cross. Because once you bring it to the cross, the power of demons to use it against you is broken. Then the next thing we need to do is, is often uh, is the is most important part of it, and that is releasing forgiveness. Forgiveness is a decision. It's also a process. It's sometimes not easy to forgive. The reason it's not easy to forgive is because we feel the injustice. It's so wrong. It's not fair. They need to pay. Someone needs to pay. That's the nature of unforgiveness. See? Unforgiveness is like that. It's a demand someone pay. You've got to say sorry. You've got to do something. So it's a demand the person do something to put it right. You may stay in that place all your life and they never say what you want them to say. They might not even know you're angry. And that you're holding all those things in your heart. So forgiveness is releasing the injustice to the Lord and it's releasing the person from judgments and expectancy to put anything right. You just let it go. 
You say, well, I don't want to let it go. Well, it's going to follow you around all your life and mess your life up. Jesus says, if you want to walk with him and walk in forgiveness and walk in grace and walk in power, release it to others. The only way you can walk away from the bad things others have done is become bigger through it by reaching out to the Lord, forgiving and blessing them, and turning what was bad, sow something good back into it. I think this is one of the places people get stuck so deeply. I have found more people demonized over the issue of unforgiveness and bitterness than almost anything else I know of. It's a major problem. And it's in families and it's in your heart and you bring it into the church and you bring it into your relationships and you bring it into your family. Why not make a decision, I'm getting rid of it. Tonight I'm opening my heart to God. I'm letting go of the bitterness and unforgiveness. See? So then, then that brings us and prepares us for God to set us free. He can set us free of the bondages. He can set us free of the things that have been there attaching us to those problems. We can be set free completely and totally. And then we have to journey. Wherever there's been a reaction now, start to change. See, once someone's ministered to you, you've still got to face tomorrow the same thing could happen. How are you going to handle it? You're going to handle it differently now. Instead of reacting, you're going to put love into it. Instead of being deceitful, you put truth into it. Instead of reacting and dishonoring people, you start to honor people. I've noticed this. Relationships have to change when one person decides to change. The way we approach relationships is say, if you change, then I'll change. If you do this, then I'll do that. Now, that leaves you a victim. But if you make a decision, I'm deciding to be a person who honors Christ. I'm deciding to be in charge of my life with him. I'm deciding the kind of person I'm going to be. And you decide, I will honor no matter what you do. I will express appreciation no matter what you do. I will show love no matter what you do. I will forgive no matter what you do. You have broken free of their power and you can start to stand up and walk as a different person. God will walk with you. He said, if you walk in my commandments like this and love, he said, we will manifest our love to you. So inner healing involves some choices and a journey. Power can come in at certain times to set you free and unlock the whole situation. We can have an encounter with God as we prepare our heart for it. But also we need to journey the process of changing how we respond. God will help us. Notice what it says. Blesses the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on the journey, the change growing with God. They pass through the valley of sorrows and make it a well. The rain fills it with pools and they go from strength to strength to strength to strength. God wants you to go from wherever you are in your valley into a place of strength. But you are the one who chooses whether it happens. You've just got to front up and say, God, I'm in the valley. And I'm in here because I'm stuck in the pain and the reactions. Lord, help me. Let's just close our eyes right now. First step, of course, is to come to know Jesus Christ. And it's my prayer today that many of you would receive Jesus Christ. God understands your pain. He understands that the core problem is that you're living your life without Jesus. God wants to come into your life, but he requires you... Let him come and you choose. This is what Jesus said. Everyone who believed on him, who received him, made him welcome in their life, he gave power to become a child of God. I want to extend an invitation to you today to receive Jesus Christ to become a child of God, to open your heart to Jesus, to let him come in. Jesus is God himself. He came into the earth. He showed us what the kingdom of God is like, the love, the nature of it. He died on the cross to break the power of sin. And what he requires is now that you receive him. So I wonder if there's anyone here, just while our eyes are closed and heads are bowed, this is what I'd like you to do. You know there are issues in your life. You know there's sin in your heart. You know that your life is empty and without God. But today is your day to make a change. The first step of that change is to receive Jesus Christ. There are other steps. It's a journey walking with God. But the first key to your life changing is receiving Jesus Christ. Would you do that today? I'd like you just to raise your hand. Let me know, Pastor. I want to receive Jesus today. I want to become a Christian. Would you do that today? Raise your hand wherever you are. I want to receive Jesus. God bless.
God bless. God bless. Hands going up. God bless. And over there, God bless you. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. I want to receive Jesus. God bless. God bless. See hands up over there, over there. God bless you. Anyone over here? It's the most important decision you'll make in your life is to stop worrying what people think of you and to connect with God personally. Jesus made it very clear. No one comes to the Father but by me. The only way you and I can come into relationship with God is through receiving Jesus. Is there anyone else? Raise your hand. Raise your hand right now. Over there, God bless. Over there, God bless you too. Over there, God bless. Anyone else? I'm going to ask you to do one. Oh, God bless. I see your hand go up, sir. Anyone else? Anyone? Over there as well. God bless you. I see your hand over there. Many, many hands gone up today. God's presence is here to help us. This is what we're going to do now. On the count of three, I want everyone to stand. And we're going to clap and shout and rejoice. Because heaven rejoices when a sinner comes to Christ. And every person wanting to receive Jesus, could you make your way down the front so I can meet you and pray with you and lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus? Could you do that? Please just, those with their hands up, please stand. Make your way to the front. Church, one, two, three. Let's make them welcome today. Let's make them welcome as people come. Please come, please come, please come, please come. God bless, God bless. Please make your way to the front. Please make your way to the front, church. Let's make them welcome. God bless. God bless you, sir. God bless. God bless. Come on, there's people still coming. Please come, please come. Please come right now, church. Keep clapping. Encourage them and they're coming forward. God bless you. Please come, please come. People are still coming. Even if you didn't put your hand up, you can still come. Please come. Please come. Please make your way to the front. Joy. God bless you, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. There are any others? If you brought your friend with you and they don't know Jesus, ask them if they'd like you to go up with them as they make their way to the front. Please come. Please come. Please come. God bless you, sir. Hey, God bless you. Brought your friend. Hey, God bless you. Hello, dear. God bless you. Come on, come on, boy. God bless you. Come on, people are still coming. People are still making decisions. God bless you. God bless you too. Hey, God bless you, son. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Hey, how are you? I love you here. <laughs> God bless you. God bless. Is there anyone else? It's not too late for you to come. It's not too late for you to come and receive Jesus. Is there anyone else? It's not too late. I sense there are still people making decisions. Please come, please come. Please come, please come. Hello. Hey. Hey, How are you? God bless. I'm so glad you came. You're making a decision to receive Jesus. It's the first step in opening your heart to God loving you. He loves you. When you open your heart like this, He comes in. We're going to pray a simple prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. When we talk to Him, He hears us. The Bible says He's not far from any one of us. He loves you. You may not think anyone could love you, but I know Jesus loves you, dear. He loves you. He knows the pain of your family and what you've been through. And He loves you. He wants you to be in His family. His people will love you and make you welcome too. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'd like you just to follow me. Listen to this prayer with your eyes closed and make it your prayer, your words to God. And church, could you all help us pray this? There's people crying here because God is touching them. God's love is in this place. All close your eyes right now. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. Father, Father in, in heaven, heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus for to die on the cross for my sins. To die on the cross for my sins. 
Tonight I turn away from sin. Tonight I turn away from sin. I turn away from all false gods. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I ask you to forgive all my sins. I ask you to forgive me all my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your spirit into my heart. I receive your spirit in my heart. And I give you my life tonight. Before heaven and earth I declare. Before heaven and earth I declare. Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. And my friend forever. And my friend forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For loving me. For loving me. And accepting me. And accepting me. Lord, release your love unto each one here. Touch them, Lord. God has forgiven you. It's a day of new beginnings for you. Whatever you've done that was wrong, he's forgiven you. In heaven, he's written your name in his book. This one's my child. This one belongs to me. He looks at you and he smiles. You know, Jesus told an amazing story to demonstrate what God is like. There's a story of a young man who, who took his father's inheritance, ran away and made a mess of his life, total mess, ended up looking after pigs. But he came to his senses and came back. And Jesus said the father saw him a long way off and loved him and ran to him, fell on him, and wept and loved him made him his son again, made him clean, made him welcome, celebrated him. And Jesus said, that's what God is like with you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Thank you for this little one, Lord. Touch you with your love today. What a wonderful presence of God is here. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, Pastor? Yeah. There you are. There. Okay. Would you like to just make them all welcome? Yeah. Let them know what happens next. Why don't we just stretch our hands to all the people in the front. Let's just pray for them and bless them. Father, we thank you, God, for your presence. That's here. That's so real. It's touching the lives of our brothers and our sisters in the front. Let them feel the tangible love and the presence of God. Heal every wounded heart. Deliver them from every depression. Let the light of God shine into every darkness. Give them hope for their future. Let them know, O oh God, that your love overwhelms your love overcomes every obstacle that they have. Father, I pray for your blessing, your provision, your healing, your deliverance on everyone that comes forward. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say, Amen, Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand for His presence. You know, many of them are weeping. Thank you so much. You know, those of you in the front, I uh, just want to welcome you uh, to our church. And standing behind you is a counsellor. He's a member in our church, a friend. And they just have a small gift they want to give to you. So in a moment's time, uh, you know, I want to give them time to pray for you and to bless you. But for the rest of us here, you know, I, we're going to have ministry later on. But I thought, why don't we just close this service with a prayer. And Pastor Mike Connor said that God save us to heal us and then to deliver us. And that we are to have a hope that our life will move from strength to strength. So we are going through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping. We are not staying there, we are going through. But we have to make a decision to let God's light shine in so that we do not harbor any bitterness or unforgiveness or we do not harbor every, any darkness or secrets in our life. How many of you want to live a free life? Will you lift up your hands here in this place? So why don't we just say this prayer? If you say, Yes, that's what I want. I want to have a life that is free, no darkness on the inside. I want to grow from strength to strength. 
I want you to say this prayer together after me. Will you lift up one hand to the Lord and just say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, shine your light into my life. Shine your light into my life. Dispel every darkness. Dispel every darkness. I want to move from strength to strength. I want to move from strength to strength. Lord, come and heal me. Lord, come and heal me. I release forgiveness. I release forgiveness. I release every resentment and bitterness. Come into my life. Come into my life. Deliver me, so that I can move from strength to strength. So that I can move from strength to strength. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. Give me freedom. Give me freedom. Give me victory. Give me victory. Thank you, O God. Thank you, O God. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Come on, come on. Let's clap our hands. Celebrate the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you shed your blood on the cross. We thank you, O oh God, that you have disarmed every principalities and powers. You set us free by our faith in you and the work that you did for us on the cross. You took our curse so that we can have your blessing. You took our sin so that we can be free and we can have forgiveness. Father, I just pray for your blessing over every individual that is here in this place. Lord, let us. Live a life of freedom, of breakthrough, a life of、oh、God where we will pass through every valley, a life where we move from strength to strength, glory to glory. In Jesus' name, we pray, and everyone say, Amen, Amen. Let's give the Lord another big hand right now. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. Amen. So God bless you. And next week we are going to go to Expo. So just remember that. And what we're going to do is that we're just going to give about ten minutes for those in the front, the counselors, to pray with the counselees. You are the service is officially over. You are free to be dismissed. You take the next ten minutes and quietly be dismissed if you need to. And but if you want to stay back for more ministry, you can. So after ten minutes, we're going to start with a worship, and then we're going to a time of ministry. So God bless you. Amen. See you at Expo. Hallelujah. Counselors, please pray for those in the front. Please give them this free gift, and、uh, just minister to them for a while. Amen.